this is this is sort of in a different area and you can edit it out if you want but my, my ex- personal experience has also been in ceremonial magic Hello, welcome to Supernatural Stories, the show where you'll hear real stories of the supernatural from real people all across Canada. I'm your host and producer of the show, Cal Goodbaum, broadcasting from my home in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Hope you enjoy the show wherever you are. Thanks for listening, leaving a review on iTunes, Facebook, or wherever else, and sharing the show with your friends. Sorry to keep you waiting for new stories. I'm not sure if summer holidays and back-to-school season applies as usual this year, 2020, but I'm always happy to come back after a break to find more true stories of the supernatural. This week, I got the chance to have a conversation with a fellow Torontonian and fellow podcaster, Sonia, who was speaking before the intro. Well, it's kind of mystical, and when you go into it, you act as if something is real, and it somehow becomes real. Like my experience with the, the water elemental that made it rain inside the room I was in. That was, that was when you're doing ceremonial magic, uh, you're not so much asking spirits to come forth and be before you, you're, you're embodying them, which is a whole other experience in itself. And... Uh, I was attempting on a very misty, moisty day to embody embody a water elemental. Uh, And it just happened that I was focusing and focusing and focusing. And then I felt drops of water falling on my shoulder and, and it was raining inside my room. And there was no leak. In the ceiling, there, there was nothing like that. It never happened again. It was just that one time when I was incredibly focused on on all things, all things wet, you might say, <laughs> the water elemental kind of thing. You can have some some fairly wild experience, almost psychedelic experiences that way. But as I become older, and I'm 83 now. I find that I lack the um, intensity of focus for magical processes. You have to really, it's, it's like a kind of intense meditation. You've had a really interesting life and uh, I'm just starting to read about it a bit from what you've uh, written of these transcripts. So it's great that you've posted all these. It's really cool. Well- When I retired, uh, after a while after I retired, I decided I had a bunch of stories that were part of my life and they were short and they were of some interest so I, I started recording them because I'm a, an early adopter when it comes to tech and uh, I did 75 of the darn things. If you want to hear all about Sonia's life from her series of podcasts you can visit www.soniabrock.com that's s-o-n-i-a-b-r-o-c-k.com to hear all of them. I'm going to include a few snippets from her stories here that I hope you'll enjoy like I did. First, a bit more about her experience with Magic with a K, followed by an intriguing twist on a ghost story.
New York City, on the Lower East Side, I started writing a novel. The book was called Murder by Magic. I didn't know a heck of a lot about magic, so I got books out of the library, some of them quite thrilling. And of course, I was influenced by horror movies. I used most of the standard cliches and invented a few of my own. I finished the book. The anti-hero died as part of the plot, and I went into mourning for him, a process that I understand is not uncommon amongst fiction writers. In doing research into the occult, I found it wasn't all according to the movies. Later, in Toronto, I started writing another book, which I never finished. It involved an occult order dressed in black robes with secret headquarters and secret passages and a heroine. The whole nine yards. The book got sillier and sillier as things went on, and it became a bit obsessive, so I dropped it. I determined to seek out some actual members of the occult community to find out what was really going on. I'd learned a few things already, and I thought it would be interesting. I joined a group called the O-T-O, Ordo Templi Orientis. Now, this was Aleister Crowley's Thelemic group. It was sex magic, but I wasn't into that part of it. I was, perhaps, the only celibate member of the group, but there you go. Egyptian gods became important. Amun-Ra and Horus and that whole crew around Memphis and thereabouts. Crowley's imaginative flights of fancy, perhaps drug-fueled, became a strange kind of map. He was a trickster with a bent sense of humor, so you better watch where you're walking if you're following his lead. Through my studies in magic, I have had experiences that are not normally explainable. A side note here would be that the idea is not so much to control the forces of nature, for instance, as to embody or manifest them. I concentrated for some months on the Egyptian goddess Sekhmet, and the effect on my life was dramatic. Everything broke. My job changed. My husband died. I had to move out of my digs. Everything broke or changed, very much like the fortune foretold in the tarot deck by the lightning-struck tower. about ceremonial magic, one thing that was interesting, when you're getting prepared for an initiation, because the OTO is all about initiations and stuff, it's very Masonic that way, mm-hmm. when you're getting ready for your first degree initiation, what I found in my case, and I've heard about it in other cases, is that because something important is going to happen, all kinds of obstacles pop up. 
They may be little small things, but things that sort of distract you from what you're trying to concentrate on. And it just becomes more and more and more intense until finally you just shut it out and, and, and you do the ceremony and, and it's over. But that I've often found that the existence of obstacles when you're intent on doing something probably means that whatever it is you're trying to do is fairly important. That's a really great insight um, because most people sort of take the opposite. There's not a lot of focus on stoicism on overcoming obstacles nowadays. And people feel like, oh, if there's an obstacle in my way, it's just not fair. It's not fair. What am I supposed to do? But what you're pointing out is really great, this idea that you can't really achieve anything without obstacles. And if it's something that you're getting really close to and there's more and more obstacles coming, maybe that means you're getting even closer to the target. That's right. That's exactly right. And, uh, over time, and in, 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 in occult groups, not necessarily the one that I was a, a, a part of, people get delusions of grandeur from this stuff. Yeah, just like they, Crowley himself, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. They think that they're the reincarnation of Crowley, or they think some other thing that they come to bring a message to the world, and they totally psych themselves into this. And then when they try to go public, everybody goes, ha ha. So <laughs> Except sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes other people buy into that particular fantasy, and that is dangerous. So something else, um, you know, in common is I used to hang out a lot at St. Stephen in the Fields uh, Church. Oh, that's my church. Yes. So you're still a, you're still a member there. I, I haven't been there for ages. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I don't get out too much in part because uh, I have bad knee other arthritis, so I don't go many places anymore, except in my plant groups when I can. But uh, St. Stephen's in the field was a great experience there. I, I had a lot of fun there. I was teaching Sunday school, and my method for teaching Sunday school was a little bit wild, I think. <laughs> this next recording, which Sonia posted under the title, Ghosts I Have Known in Places I Have Haunted, was what first caught my attention to her podcast. It was recorded and released a decade and a half ago, which makes Sonia absolutely on the cutting edge of podcasting. The monologue that Sonia shares brings fascinating questions about what ghosts really are and how they relate to metaphysical concepts. And part of it just so happens to take place at that aforementioned St. Stephen's in the Field Church, so I felt extra drawn to this next story. I never knew whether I really believed in ghosts until I became one. I had, when I was quite a bit younger, just under the age of consent, stayed with my dear Aunt Addie in Brantford. She didn't know, but I was planning to elope with a young man who was quite serious and quite honorable, but being African-American, he was not looked on favorably by my folks. He and I thought all would be well, and we could pull it off, but, unfortunately, I foolishly left a note explaining my intentions before I took off. I was captured and put in a local Hoosgau jail cell until my dad came to pick me up. I was in disgrace, and the elopement didn't work. It was a very agitated and emotional time. Ten or twenty years later, when I was older, if not wiser, I was staying with my aunt again. 
She never quite forgave me for pulling such a dirty trick on her, by the way. I was staying in the same room I had been in on the night of the failed elopement of many years ago. Well, I couldn't sleep or rest. I felt agitation. I sensed, I never saw, but I sensed the presence of that young girl who was very agitated and full of excitement and full of anxiety. She was very much there. I wasn't just reliving something that had happened. She was there. That room was haunted, and the ghost was me, my earlier self. Time moves on. My brother was in Chatham. My mother had just moved into an apartment, and he was finishing things up at the house where she wasn't going to be living anymore. He was just checking out if anything had been forgotten, and he spent the night there. He didn't get very much sleep. He was tormented by the vision, and I guess he actually saw a little red-haired girl who would not let him sleep. She was agitated. She was upset. She was moving around. He couldn't sleep. I had red hair when I was a little girl. I must have left some trace there who was upset by the move. I'm wondering now how many other places I may be haunting that I'm not aware of. It's as if a place where something has happened is like a photographic negative that takes an impression of highly emotional events or circumstances. That's my guess anyways. My third ghost story isn't about my ghost. It's about the ghost of a church member. I was active and ran the Sunday school at St. Stephen in the Fields in Toronto for a time. A long-time church member had passed on just before I joined the congregation and I was aware that she had been very dedicated to the church. I knew her husband quite well. He was a sideman along with my husband. I played guitar at the folk mass, which was held before the regular service at the Anglican church there. They tried to get me to sing modern, made-up white hymns, but I claimed I didn't know how, and mostly played southern gospel hymns, black and white, which I coerced them into learning. In any case... We were doing our little folk mass, which was quite simple in colloquial English. At a certain point in the mass, you do prayers for the living, and then you do prayers for the dead. While we were having the service, there was quite a commotion in the church, which was otherwise empty except for us. Doors were opening and closing with loud bangs, winds were blowing, there were rattling noises, things fell down. It was the usual ghostly agitation. Somehow or other, I knew, sometimes you just know things, that this was the lady who had passed on, who had been so dedicated to the church. I started, because she was so active with banging and wind-blowing, etc., to put her in the prayers for the living. Then I stopped myself, and I waited. Then, under my breath, I put her name in, quietly spoken, no one else heard me, put her name in, the prayers for the dead. I felt, and I still feel at this time, thinking of it, that a tremendous warmth. Someone came up behind me and put their arms around me and gave me such a warm and loving hug. Of course there was no one visible there, but all the noises stopped and everything was quiet and peaceful. I realized then that sometimes ghosts don't know that they're dead. 
I had almost accidentally done this lady a very great favor by telling her that she was indeed amongst the departed and that she could move on now and leave in peace. She was no longer needed on the ground. Her duties were over. Those are my ghost stories. You probably have some of your own. These events are very subjective and personal, but they're also very real. So um, what would be a message that you would want to send to listeners? First off, I want to encourage them to, to listen to the episodes of your podcast that you've got posted, and I'll post, I'll share the website for everything on and everything. Thank you. What would be an overall kind of message that you would, uh, that you would want to send? Well, you know, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, it, but I was actually thinking of this. It's actually a word of warning. I was listening to your episodes on the Ouija board. Yes. And how some negative energy would come out of that sometimes. And um, for those young people that I've met who think they're into magic or something like that, I, I say, I warn them, I say, remember that the spirits that you can contact that are closest, they lie. <laughs> 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 they, they really do. They're 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 uh, troubled spirits. They're they're closer to us than they are to wherever the beyond is, and uh, they can be very negative. So whether you're fooling with the Ouija board or trying to do some kind of magic that you think can bring benefit to yourself, or worse, bring harm to someone else, that harm is likely to reverberate on yourself. And those spirits that you contact are not necessarily the good guys. I think that's a very important point, and it's much better coming from you, having more of a lifetime of experience with it. But I've had some limited experience with friends who um, thought they were doing ritual magic. Uh -huh. Because anyone can buy books. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's you know, true. Anyone can buy books. It, it's something that, you know, in the context of all of these things, because with the Bible as well, you can buy the Bible and you can read it, but without someone really good to guide you through it, you're not really going to learn anything. Um, so, yeah, I've known people who have abused the term magic and then gone on ego trips and stuff like that and, um, you know, thought they were very important channels or all sorts of things like that. And... Um, you know, obviously with Crowley, he was a bit of a, a cautionary tale as well because he had problems with drugs, he had problems with mental illness and, and stuff like that. So it's always good to, to approach all of this uh, cautiously. That's very true. I don't think, uh, I don't think uh, that if there's any word that should come out of this, it's probably be careful. Mm -hmm. What do you think about, there's a trend now I've noticed in just the, like the last couple of years. I'm sure, I mean, it's been a trend for a while, but it's very popular now for even teenagers, young 20 something women to identify as witches and to kind of dress in like what they identify as a kind of a witchy way, a goddess or witch, you know. It's a fashion statement. Okay, I'm glad you agree. Well, what I, what I, 
a young niece of mine who who was working who has he's a psychic actually and is working in this sort of thing i taught her from the beginning i said before you do anything clear the room there's a ritual and uh, you know any banishing ritual would do it called the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram and you can you can see it on youtube and so forth which basically invokes all the the, the archangels and, 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 and water, earth, air, fire stuff and brings it all together and focuses and cleanses and shuts out the negative energy. Clear the room before you do your stuff. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it does to me. Oh, no, absolutely. It makes sense to me. And it's kind of crosses quite a few cultures um, for sure. So it, it absolutely makes sense to me. Uh, I'm, I, I think that I definitely have other things I'd like to talk to you about, but it's been a nice little conversation we've had here. So I think we should leave it for now and we can stay in touch on Facebook and talk more. Sounds good. St. Stephen's in the Fields Church is located in the Kensington Market area of Toronto. Kensington is a fascinating place, rich with history. And one person who knew more about that history than just about anyone else I know was Lex Gore. And I never thought I'd be saying this, but now she is a piece of that history. She died this last week at a young age. In her short life, she managed to back a lot in as a musician and as a fierce defender of Kensington Market. Not just in words, but with her fists. When people talk about punch a Nazi, they're usually mostly posers who don't even know what they're talking about. But when Lex Gore punched a Nazi, man, she really punched a Nazi. In the 90s and through the 2000s, skinhead anti-Semite gangs were a problem in Toronto and Lex and other punks from the market helped kick their asses out of the market, something for which we can be grateful for. In the last decade especially, change has been rather fast and harsh to the market. It's frankly a bit of a shadow of its former self. I'm one who used to try and console Lex that change is inherent to the market. For my family, this area is also important. It's where Jewish Canadians first arrived from Europe and where they first lived and set up shop. I also used to work as a chef at two restaurants in the area, and I used to frequent the cafes there, spending my weekends in the park with the fire spinners and musicians. It's been sad watching the market change, but I will not say the market will die. Even if it doesn't die, the ghost of it is still there, much like how Sonia's ghosts continue to haunt the places she was at, even as she's very much alive on this earth. See how I brought it back around there? Writing. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and the last few years I've been putting these stories out. It hasn't always been easy to do, and I appreciate any help from those along the way through Patreon, like Lauren and others. If you want to contribute a bit to this totally independent and non-ad-supported show, you can go to www.patreon.com supernaturalstories, or you can contribute on PayPal through the Facebook page. But even more important than that is to get in touch. Get in touch to send me your own stories, or just to say hi through the Facebook page, as you'll know if you listen at www.supernaturalstories.ca. In this time of corona lockdown, I'm a bit more locked down than most due to my health, so I have to stay very socially distanced. Having a chance to talk to anyone about our stories has been a great joy for me that I hope to keep sharing with you. I'm not putting out the episodes as frequently right now, but who knows? I'm open to what the future brings. Hopefully it's good news for fans of the show. One time, this girl even told me that I'm famous. I don't think she'd ever listen to the show, but there's always that. If you do like the show, please share it with your friends and family. Bringing it back to Lex, though. This show would probably not even exist without her, and even if it did, it wouldn't have gotten into nearly this many episodes. A little bit about the story behind the show. For years and years, I've had weird paranormal experiences. 
I don't talk about most of them on this show. I guess a book one day, who knows. But there are many, and they are f***ing ridiculous. I figured that with the internet being as big and weird and strange as it is, that I could find others out there like me who I could talk to about these things, but what I found was quite the opposite. I did find forums that said they were dedicated to the paranormal or supernatural or UFOs or what have you. I won't name the forums, you probably know the ones or can find them in a Google search. I participated for years in these forums, interacting, and every once in a while making my own posts, but what I found is that every single time I posted, I would just get people ridiculing me. It turned out that on the internet, it is very fun to speculate and talk about the paranormal, but when people actually have real experiences themselves, then they must be making it up, or mentally ill, or just deserving of ridicule. From the numerous guests I've spoken to, this is a very common occurrence. On the other hand, you have shows like Coast to Coast and Red Ice Radio, who do not vet the people on their shows at all and don't care about what is true or not. They are making money, though. I believe this is a very important topic, not being given the credit it needs in academia or online or in the media or anywhere. It's used to sell psychic and ghost shows on TV by producers who know they have to fake their shows to make them interesting. And hopefully one of the brand new shows comes out that will break this curse, but up until now, outside of the book tour circuit and a handful of authors, there was very little to keep a person from just feeling crazy. It was after one of these many attempts at reaching out to find people like me that I was on Facebook and I found a group called Weird Toronto. Here was a group that said it was all about everything unusual and creative within the city, whether it was queer or punk or lo-fi or just the unusual. I saw that the posts were really amazing and creative and funny, and I saw that most of the comments were not a bunch of douchey assholes telling everyone else what a moron they were. In fact, the loose rule was basically just, let people be themselves. I made a post there about the paranormal and I got a ton of responses. Lex, the founder and admit of the page, expressed a lot of interest and supported it and helped bump up the posts. If it weren't for the initial feedback and the stories submitted through people I met in that page, then I don't know where this show would be, but probably nowhere. For the first time in my life, I felt a place where I could meet people like me and some friends have come out of the process. And I remember how excited I was the first time I ran into Lex in real life and realized we live near each other. She had bright red hair that I saw literally from a block away, and I pulled my car over and like a total weirdo, I shouted, Hey Lex, I know you from Weird Toronto, it's Cal. And without missing a beat, she shouted back, Oh Cal, I love your posts, good to see you. And we waved and that was it. The only other time I got to see her again was when I was meeting her to buy one of her absolutely excellent handmade Weird Toronto t-shirts. I'm so sad that I never get to see her again. She had numerous ghost stories too, and other paranormal phenomena that she had wanted to share on the show. But timing was not our friend, and her time on this earth was just too damn short. Now, I'll play a song by her band, Adaptive Reaction. Aleha HaShalom Lex, and rest in power as they say. Before I play the song though, as I did last episode, I'll give a quick word of caution. Lex was a brilliant person, and she's an awful lot of that brilliance warning people about the coronavirus. She dedicated so much energy and time to dealing with the idiots who refuse to wear masks. So, once again, I will say, be careful, and I'll say this is not a conspiracy theory show, but thank you for listening, even if that's your bag. And of course, thank you to Lex, and a big thank you to her family.
of Altman Real Stories from Real People across Canada. The music featured in this episode was from John Watts with Open Your Sunroof, The Tornado's Coming, Pictures of the Flow with Horses, Tyrannic Toy with Black Road, Chris Forsyth with East Kensington Rundown, and Adaptive Reaction featuring the voice of Lex Gore with the title track off their album, Radio Darkness. The rest were original tracks. Thank you for listening to Supernatural Stories and telling your friends about the show and supporting a place for the supernatural in Canada. There isn't another thing like this for people to share these stories, and there won't be unless you support it. So let people know. Get in touch with your true story at www.supernaturalstories.ca, and you can also contribute a dollar per month or more at www.patreon.com slash supernaturalstories. Till next time.